All right, here we are again. Coffee, Hello. episode number 134. We're ready, we're rocking it. Ready to rock and roll, except this time, I don't know that we know that we're ta- what we're talking about. I know what I want to talk about. <laughs> Tell me what you want to talk um, about. You've got your great shirt on with the uh, fluorescent Yoda glasses and the Yoda. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm hanging with the Yoda again yep. today. I just felt in that kind of mood. Um, I didn't. I, have you seen the, the new, not the new trailer, or a new trailer, I don't know, but the trailer for the next installment no. of Star Wars. The, the big, what was it? What was it called? It's something Luke Skywalker, the beginning or start of Skywalker or what Ooh. have you. Uh, but it's got Rey's in the desert, and she's standing there, and she's got Luke's lightsaber, um, and there's a speeding land cruiser coming towards her, and then she kind of turns to the side with her back to it and it comes to run her over and she does a backflip onto the top and then it cuts the scene. Brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's... that's I'm ready. Um, that's coming in, what, December, isn't it? Um, I don't know, is it? Yeah, yeah, December. Okay. Yeah, that's when okay. they've been released and that's what yep. the, the end of the credits. So, yeah, well, that, so. they confused me because they re- released Solo like yeah. randomly in the middle of the summer. Yeah, because they they because they got two things going on, don't they? So they yeah. got backstories going on for individual yeah. characters, and then they had those mini adventures. Mini says, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, in between those major. Okay, ones well, I'm ready. Out. I'm ready. You ready? We've for had our it? episode from last week, and if you haven't checked it out, then uh, oh, yeah, last the week's Wars. episode's all about Star Wars all about and the Force. The and yeah. So, what have you been up to this week? This week, what has been going on? Well, I am really happy that I got my new phone, although that's not the most important thing. But it's just a happy, happy tech moment. Um, Yeah, I've got big plans in the works for um, a new project. I'm not going to reveal it yet because mm. it's still in a muddle. And it's what's, what I will talk about, actually, is how much I hate brainstorming. Mm. You know, you do those, um, you know, like sort of quizzes or whatever, those things that tell you, like, where your strengths are in terms of, you know, where you, you sort of feel happiest within the creation cycle. Yeah. And, you know, like... A lot of people are not very good at the finisher-completer kind of zone, right? And some people are, like, ideas people, and some people are more just, like, plodding along. Once they're set in a direction, they're going to continue the task. So, um, yeah, I think this is why I'm a bit of a, like, loner in terms of creation stuff, because I find, like, I just want to find an idea and stick to it and actually brainstorming. And I've never really been part of a team. And so I think when you're in your early career and you're part of a team, you get used to brainstorming meetings and brainstorming sessions and you sort of understand the process and understand that a lot of, like, slight dead ends are not a waste of time. Whereas for me, it feels like that at the moment. Like, I'm sort of brainstorming different iterations so the sort of soul of the projects there but then what does it actually look like in terms of like what I'm creating and deliverability and business model stuff I would have thought that it would not be any different because you're in just a you must at some point in time have an idea generation kind of thinking whether you're I don't usually hit this many dead ends I don't mean a dead end that's maybe not the right term for it but you know I think you have to think like a sort of brainstorming the way I'm experiencing it now like I feel like when I'm doing stuff with books and storylines 
I'm excavating. And Stephen mm. King talks about stories like that. Like there is the story and you're trying to find it. And so I'll play different versions in my head until I get the right one. But it feels like a bit more of discoverability rather than creation from scratch. I don't know why, it just feels like that to me. Yeah. So with, with this kind of project um, that's a little bit more business oriented and I, I do feel like I've sort of cr like made multiple iterations of the thing. Do you know what it is? You yeah, should anyway. maybe have a look at Six Thinking Hats by Edward D. Bono and, and okay. as a methodology because it sounds like in your, in your brainstorming in quotation marks you're trying to do all the stages at once. Interesting. Okay. Versus, yeah, I had yeah. this I had this really great um, thing that I did earlier this week that that may be of use to other people and it's called um, I'm not gonna remember the woman's name. I'll put it in the show notes, but um, she did this thing called the Trailblazer Quotient and it tell it sort of she's created four business model type things. Right. So it's more about if you're in a certain industry, usually there is a particular way that that industry works and delivers things. Like if you say for yoga, usually if you're a yoga instructor, then you're teaching classes. And in recent years, one-to-ones have become a really big thing in yoga, which they weren't before. Yeah. So, you know, that's been a slight shift. But, of course, there are a lot of people doing different things online, all kinds of stuff. But those aren't necessarily the dominant business model when you're just training to be a yoga teacher. And, and that's true for every industry. There's usually sort of common models. But what this is saying is everybody's got a kind of model or two out of the four that sort of suits their personality and suits mm. like what they, how they work best, basically. So sometimes if you're in an industry, but the business model that's most common in that industry is actually not the one you love doing, then, you know, it's possible to create your own thing, and which can be amazing because, of course, you're sort of, you know, creating something new and standing out. But um, so that's been really different. That's the Trailblazers yeah. quotient, and that was I really helpful for to, me. To because um, I often, you know, I think about these different sort of business models. Um, and something, there's something about just going back to the basics. Cause I think sometimes, and I don't know if it's just because marketers do this and they make all these different things and it's good for selling books, but then when you boil it all down, just like there's only 13 plots apparently, Yeah. <laughs> there's only, well, so there's basically, only really, there's, I, so yeah. the most simplest common denominator is this on this all. You got to have a product or a service. You got to have a place for people to buy it, and then you got to have people to buy it. Yeah, but what this trailblazer, yeah. so just to give you a more clear idea of what I'm talking about, mm. and for everybody who this might be of interest yeah, yeah. to, there's a few people out um, there wanting to do the business. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a few. Yeah. Um, so, like the four categories it's it's not necessarily a business model but more like where your strengths and interests are yeah. so one is like you like working one-to-one -one with people mm. you know and then there's the thing that's like you like um creating community and being sort of okay, it, yeah, like no, inspirational yeah. and then there's the thing that's like you like creating content, and that might be books or courses yeah. or so that'll whatever. Be about and then, and then the, the fourth one is create. like innovator. Yeah. That's like 
within an industry. I can't remember because I'm like not yeah, that no, thing. Yeah, but yeah. but that sort of helped me just focus on like because you know when you're talking to someone and you're like I have this idea and you're sort of brainstorming it. Mm. Everybody comes to you from their perspective on what they think you should do. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing, but sometimes I think it's quite easy to get pulled off into this way of thinking like, oh, that's what I should be doing, but I kind of doesn't sit right with me. Mm. And it's really about kind of coming back to what intuitively feels good because obviously what feels good and what your, your sort of strengths and passion and yeah. interest in is where you're going to shine actually and well that's but where you're going to put your energy in that's in right that way, isn't it mm -hmm. if you try and go down a track that doesn't doesn't suit really you, suit you yeah and it's the same with creation isn't it so if you like writing then write even though the prevailing thought is that everybody likes video and yeah and video is king and that's right exactly consumption but if you don't like being in front of a camera mm -hmm. then you're not going to do very well at it and you're going to procrastinate and yeah, you're, you're going to yeah. sort of do your exactly. thing um and i think so there's like there's a there's another level, isn't it? So the level that what I'm hearing from you and what you know I quite experience on my own sort of self and yeah. seeing um, is almost your, like you said, so yeah, so I like working one-to-one -one, or I like building communities or I like just innovating things. Um, it's the, it's the, it's the, and this is the thing that I keep working on and chipping away at. It's the next level down because that level up where you're at now, I think, is is a is a cool when you mm -hmm. get there. But it's the it's the level down that says, all right, well now, what is the business model that fuels that? So if I do one to one yeah. work, what is your business model going to yeah. be to fuel yeah. that? And then yeah. when you come one level down from that, actually the business model that should only take you ten minutes because there isn't it's not that complicated. Right. Exactly. But we, but we can do we can make it complicated. Yeah. But but that's a that becomes another form of procrastination is making that. Yeah, I think down so. But I think also, you know, I think oh, like just knowing myself. Mm. So, for instance, let's just take one to one. Yeah, yeah. I have another friend that's doing the same. So, one to one is cool. Um, in fact, and this is interesting that you say this because I was looking at um, just this yesterday. So, one to one is good. Um, and then, the, but the other environmental factors that you have to ask yourself is that at that point, one to one, you're still trading time for money, so it still means that you have to be doing something in order to generate cash. And at some point, if what idea that you have is really good, at some point you're going to reach a cap because there's only one of you. Right. So can you scale? Or maybe you don't. That's the question you have to ask yourself. So you know what? I'm happy working yep. at this level, not thinking about scaling or any of that. Totally. If I can get me 10 people, that's fine. And they pay me X, and then I just keep those 10. Yeah. Um, because then the question then is that, if you're going to do just one-to-one, -one, what's the level of income that you want? Yeah. Well, then decide how much that you're going to charge those one-to-one -one clients. Yeah. And like I was looking at one lady, she charges... Three hundred and thirty-three dollars an hour for a coaching session, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Whereas you got some people that are charged like thirty dollars yeah. an hour for a coaching session. Yeah. I mean, in those two decisions, there ain't a lot of people. So you narrow down your market when you say three thirty-three. One, you got to find someone that has that kind of disposable income that'll pay three hundred yeah. pounds or dollars an hour, um, versus there's a yeah. different economics of someone's paying 35 or 60 yep. um, an hour but that makes difference to your business model so if I'm at the 300 level yep. 
the people that I'm prospecting and targeting are going to have to fit into a certain income bracket in yep. order for me to be able to work with them. And then all yep. your stuff then kind of falls out of that. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So again, yeah, it's, it comes down to asking those questions around yourself. Um, but then at the same time, when you talk about community and you talk about these other things, it's like begin somewhere. Um, like some people will wait till... Um, you know, they, they want to do community, but they won't start at a one-to-one and they want to build this community. But actually, maybe you start here and you grow into the others, that kind of thing. Yeah, right. But I mm-hmm. think you're right. I think it's understanding what are you ultimately... The question you have to ask yourself, what are you ultimately aiming I think, for? I think what, what is... Yeah, that's true. And I think mm. that what's, what's really hard, and this is true for, for business and this is true for life, is just in different instances how important it is to get pulled back into who you are and what you want to do. Because it's really, I feel like everybody, you know, everybody's got some advice for you. Do you know what I mean? And I I loved, I remember, and I've talked about this before, in fact, um, this book by Tim Grawl, the Running Down a Dream book, was one of my top three that we did in that episode on our top three books from the past year. And he talks about this exact thing that once you get to a certain point, you're talking about your idea with other people and everyone's like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And it's quite easy and that can be about business. But again, that yeah, we all, yeah. Know, yeah, we all yeah. know that feeling. And it's like, you get bombarded. You know, how, how, to, how to get healthy. You got to you got to be this. You got to do that. You, you got to do paleo. You got to do yeah. dairy free. You got to do whatever. So I just think that it is really tricky in some ways to stay back in who you are and what you want to do. And it's quite easy to feel that. I don't know. It's like a fear when someone starts to talk to you about something that, do, especially when it doesn't sit. And this is, I suppose I'm only talking for myself, but yeah. that doesn't sit quite right with you. But in that moment, I mean, I'm not very good at responding in the moment. I need some time to like go away and think about stuff. So in the moment when I'm talking to somebody and they're throwing some like, what is probably a pretty good idea. It yeah, just yeah. maybe doesn't suit me kind of thing. It's, I, I don't, I'm not a person that comes back and is like, yeah, well, no, because of this. I have to kind of take some time to incorporate all of that. And so I think what I can experience is a bit of like, oh, I sh- maybe I should be doing yeah. that way or whatever, and you kind of get pulled off. And the thing I loved about that Tim Grawl book, um, Running Down a Dream, is he gets to a point where he's like, I'm open to advice from people who are doing the thing that I want to do successfully. Yeah. And that's who I want advice from and everybody else, like, no, thank you. Well, <laughs> you yeah. Well, well, so, even and then that's that like such a relief that, because even yeah, yeah. as a writer, you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of advice for mm. me about what I should be doing. And, um, and uh, you know, we all, we all have that. Yeah. Isn't it? So. I think the big thing, and, and that's the key, the key is if you know your own self and what you want to do, at some point just... Well, you just got to turn off the. But I think the, the thing it's gotta, that it's, it's that the tunnel vision, isn't it? It's, it's like, true, okay, but we, you have to do that dance of like being open to someone's idea because, you know, sometimes someone gives you says something and you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. So you don't want to close yourself off and think like I'm the only one that can have an idea, and I I can be real guilty of that sometimes, mm. which is why I hate brainstorming. <laughs> but um. You know, I think it's it's really important to kind of like stay open, but also be really clear also about again, when you're getting advice. Like, yeah. I think again, it's that the bono would be good because again, sometimes I think what we end up doing is you're doing 
too many stages all at one time. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the idea formulation aspect, where I'm just trying to come up with ideas, then it says big blue sky thinking, and you just turn off any idea about resources. So like sometimes when I'm working with people in the coaching capacity and they're trying to solve something, it's like, okay, well, because I'll always point to the, right. the, the things that are the, might be the blockers, but I don't have enough money, I don't have this or that. Yeah. So it's all those things. So it's like, okay, well, we can come to that later. Yeah. And they're not going away. So it's not burying your head in the sand, but it's like you, you can't solve everything at the same time. So park that. And then yeah. it's just blue sky. Everything makes sense. There's no... And that's yeah. the point of brainstorming is that in this stage... There isn't a bad idea. Everything just gets thrown onto the table so that you don't shut people down and you don't start taking it to the next stage. It's just, just get it, just throw it all out there. Yeah. It's when you move to the next stage where you're then trying to say, okay, we've got all these things. What do we want to sort of take forward? Then you're a little bit more analytical, but yeah. put things through a bit more of a, a sort of thought process. And I think it's the same when you, you know, and, and yeah, there's, you know, some people that say, you know, be careful when you share your idea. If you're in the very infancy and you're still unconfident in it, but then you share it and then everybody starts throwing all these different things that can unseat you and make you even more wobbly and then more procrastinating and more, or maybe I or, need to think some or more about it. Or it, it makes you feel like maybe I should be doing that thing. Or, yeah, so yeah. I should be doing that. Yeah. Or it takes you off off the track. It's, yep. you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe only seek that kind of conversation with people when you are really solid in what you want to do yep. and all that you're looking for is some clarifications on different things. You're not, you're not opening it up back into the brainstorming thing and say, you can right. do this, you can do that. It's like, well, I've done that. This is the thing I'm doing. And yep. the clarification I'm seeking is yeah. but the, the core idea is here. So you're not closing it off, but I'm not going back to the brainstorming session either to start coming up with another set of ideas yeah. it's like I want to make this one work and yes and it's good to have people to point out and we were having this conversation yesterday at one of the clients that I'm working with that sometimes um, within organizations the person that asks a lot of questions they can be couched as seeming negative so we're doing this thing and then they're asking all these oh questions oh my god that's me but the, yeah, I'm but, that person. But that's the person you need. You need that person because other people, like, say, for me, who only see big ideas and I'm happy to run with the scrapest of information, you need the person that will see what's missing, see the thing that's not there, ask all these questions. Oh, my gosh. Because they'll fill the I gap. I love this. Okay, because I get, like, really um, pegged sometimes as, like, the you know, the naysayer yeah. in conversations because I'm like, well, because I'm always the one that's thinking, well, okay, that's a great idea, but what are you going to do about this? Mm. And what are you going to do about that? And that does seem like I'm putting obstacles in someone's way who's a big dreamer. But actually, from my perspective, I'm like, yeah, but now you have to integrate that idea into like the reality as it stands. And sometimes I'm totally proven wrong because the yeah. thing that I think is a thing can actually be worked around, you know? So you say, what about this thing? Hmm. You know, we have plans to do this. And you're like, well, actually, we could change those plans and do it differently. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But, yeah. But anyway. it, it, it takes that awareness, though. I think yeah. awareness of the person that's the leader or what have you or um, just to know that that person... Is valuable, yeah. yeah. Because and you, you, But and, keep them and, in check. And for me, it's like seeking someone out like that because they help me to see the things that I don't see. So if we talk mm. about the roundness and the fullness... Yeah. It's like finding your opposite so that they can plug yeah. the gap. So you got to 
then your idea becomes more rounded. Yeah. Um, in that aspect. I really like yeah. that idea because the other thing I've been reading recently is about how to know yourself and your strengths and weaknesses in, a, in the whole process well enough so that you can put things in place to ensure that you succeed. So if you mm. know, for instance, that this is an area that you're good at, like for, for instance, if you're like, you know, not as good a complete or finisher, like I always get to the end of a stage and then I do, I, I eventually complete finish, yeah. but I procrastinate for ages before I do that. But if I, know, if I start to recognize that about myself, I can put some accountability things in place so that I can get support in that area, yeah. you know, and, and same with like at the beginning, if I know I'm not great at brainstorming or I know I'm great at a big idea, but then not so great about figuring out how to put that into reality, then you go for coaching, don't you? Or something yeah. like that to get help. So yeah. And, yeah. That, and, and it's sad, isn't it? It's just recognizing what stage you are and what you need at what point. And, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, again, it's fascinating for me on a number of different levels, and it probably leads into um, a little bit say, about yeah. my little book there. Because in, in essence, one of the stages is kind of about that. So um, it's all it's, about being yourself. Well, it's about it's about being yourself. Um, it's about realizing. So this book, I'm talking about Jonathan Livingston Siegel, a story by Richard Bach. Um, it's one of these fable stories. Uh, it's only like. 87 it's one of these that's pages. like quoted all the, time. all the time. It didn't get a lot of good reception to start with until someone was brave enough to publish. It's only like 87 pages. It's three parts, but I did find out today that there's a part four that he wrote in like 1984 or something like that that takes the journey even further. Um, but essentially, um, I guess the sort of the plot of the story is you have a seagull who loves flying more than he likes eating. So the, the norm, so if we're looking at the metaphor of this, is that you've got the the herd, the flock in this instance, you got the flock, and this is how the flock acts. Our thing is about finding food, so we're only flying around to get food and get scraps and get the low-hanging fish at the top of the sea type thing. Whereas he absolutely was passionate about flying. He liked flying more than he liked eating. In fact, his parents had to sometimes force him to eat because he would spend all his time experimenting with different ways of flying, seeing how fast he could go. Um, and so he's, he's all into his flying. But he gets to a point where the flock, because he discovers that he can finally do this power dive. And they're like, you're not an owl, you're not a hawk. Um, he was actually at flying. Like, you're not these things, so you need to cease and desist. Stop doing those if you want to be a part of the flock. <laughs> um, and then at one point in time, he... He kind of convinced, like, yeah, I'm just a seagull. Let, admit, let me just act like a seagull and stop all this nonsense. So he was almost giving in to the voice in his head that was telling him this. Um, and then he, he was, he, he did, what did he do? He was, he, he went, so he went, he almost was like Icarus. He went high up to reach, like, terminal velocity coming down. But he stretched his wings out too far and flipped them all around. And he passed out and he wakes up at night on the sea. Um, and then as he's trying to make his way back to shore, because he was just going to be a seagull now, right. normal seagull, he forgot the fact that seagulls don't like flying at night. And then when he realizes he's flying at night, he's like, oh, <laughs> this is a new thing. And, and, so, and then, then that was it. And then, um, then the flock, they had enough of his stuff because he tried to show them the things that they could do. 
And they're like, nope. And so they banished him. He becomes an outcast. They send him off to live in the cliffs alone by himself. Um, so that's, that's like the end of sort of part one. Um, and then if you dig beneath that, it's about um, the meaningless of sort of materialism, conformity, um, that we limit ourselves to some certain model that someone says, this is the model of how you need to live. Um, and if you don't live like us, then you're not one of us and you can't be a part of the flock, the tribe, the herd, society. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then they get, you know, they get sort of outcast. So in part two, it's about him transcending society. So he's, he is alone at this point in time, but he carries on with all his experimentation. Um, and he's, you know, he figures out so many other different things that as a, as a seagull he can do. But he does reach a limit, which is then when his teacher comes in, another seagull flashing lights and stuff like that. Come, and the seagull comes um, and he's like, um, and this is a cool idea. He says, you've got to understand that a seagull is an unlimited idea of freedom, an image of the great goal. So you have to have the freedom to be yourself, your true self, and here and now, and nothing can stand in your way. So he helps them to see that the limits that they were placing on themselves were false limits. And in actuality, um, there is no limits to where we can go. And he shows them how we could do some other kind of flying. Um, so they transcend to another place that he thought was heaven. So he thought he was dying because these two seagulls come and they could do everything he could do. And he was trying to show them how cool he was with all his maneuvers. <laughs> and they just matched him match for match. And then he's like, oh, it's time to go home. But he's like, oh, I was banned from home. So he thinks he's going to heaven as they take him to this other place. Right. Um, but then he realizes that that was just the, f- the flock was saying that there was a heaven type thing, but there was no heaven. This was now... The idea of heaven was actually him understanding that, that they're limitless as a right. being that we're sort of, sort of thought. So he gets into this other space. Um, and then, again, he's, he's transcendent. But the next transcendence is there's an old guy named Chiang, an old guy, an old seagull named Chiang that can do, like, the most amazing things. Like, instantaneously, he can, he'll be there and he'll disappear. Um, and so Jonathan wants to learn how to fly like that, that he can fly that fast. But like Morpheus and Neo, he was, again, still limited by his mind and the possibilities, and so they go through practice. And were you talking about last week, about one of the episodes we are talking about practice? Mm-hmm. So a whole other thing about this story is that... Yeah, we were to... talking last week with the um, Star Wars thing about do you need training? Yes. Like, so... We were saying, if you didn't listen last week, um, you know, in the Star Wars thing, it's all set up through the early films that you need training in order to wield the Force. Yeah. But then Ray is, like, wielding the Force with no training. <laughs> so we have the conversation about that. Yeah. And you were saying training is just about unlearning what someone constructs that someone has put in your head so if you don't have those constructs in the first place then you don't necessarily need the training you don't need the training yeah so in this instance it is all about the practice it's about the doing and you just got to continually day-to-day practice um you know pushing these sort of limits but it is it is about the doing the practice um of it and so as he's practicing basically what he learns how to do in his flight is to move through time and space. Once it, it becomes a spoon thing. In fact, when I read mm-hmm. that part, I thought about you because you like quoting that. 
to, there, yeah, there is, is no spoon. Yeah. <laughs> and once you realize that, you know, your mind, and it was the same with there. So it was like, well, there is no time. Um, this sort of past, present, and you can, because we're all thought, or just this, this thing, but we are counted. We're encapsulated in this body, but actually we're really just thought. And once Jonathan was able to understand that, then he was actually able to fly through time. So instantaneously. Right. So like, um, and then his master leaves him. And, but Jonathan wants to come back to the normal earth now that he realizes that he can actually, that there is no time. And he wants to come back to the flock to try and convince him. So I get a feel of a little bit of a sort of, Christian thing on here because he seems to come back from the dead to as far as these. Well, that's also the return with the elixir whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it's that whole hero's journey. So he comes back to where the flock is, but he comes back with some of his disciples, like eight of them. Okay. And instead of trying to convince the flock that hey, look at all the great things I could do, they just start practicing in front of the the flock, and then suddenly, you know, they start getting a crowd and people are watching these amazing things, and they get banned from the flock. So there's this big going back and forth, but then more and more people move over to his side as they see all these amazing things that folks are um, kind of able to do. And that's kind of um, that's kind of where sort of part two. That's a good is. pep talk for me. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of things that he has to do. He's got a, another part is um, about sort of the kindness and love. Um, and in order for him to make it to his next level, he has to master those. So the two things, because there was a there's a scene in sort of part three, where the elders, of the in the society is like, all right, well these guys I gotta go, and so, um, two things happen. One, one of his disciples is moving so fast, um, and he runs into a cliff and looks like he dies because he smashes into the cliff, and the elders want to use that to tell all the other sequels that were looking yeah. to convert. That's why you don't do this. But, of course, Jonathan knows that there's no time, and he goes into the rock, pulls a guy out, and he goes, learning how to fly through rock is another level. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So, so he brings them back through, and they see this other seagull come back to life, and it's like, oh. Um, but then the story, so the thing that Jonathan had to learn and what he passes on to his disciple is, because his disciple wanted to just leave, these, since they wanted to kill him, it's like, why would you even care about trying to help them because they just tried to kill you? It's like, you have to see beyond that and see the goodness in them. Yeah. And that's the thing that you're focusing on. And you help others to see the goodness in himself, basically. And then you can transcend sort of love and the kindness bit. Um, and I haven't gotten to book four. Apparently, um, Richard Bach in 2013 made a, a part four to it. It's called The Illusion, Illusions Number Two. Um, it looks quite interesting. It looks like it focuses on even the sort of the next level, kind of beyond that. Beyond flight. Maybe yeah. it's the finally we learn how to fly through fly rock. through rock. So anyway, um, that got me thinking about a whole lot of things. One, um, just this idea about practice. And, and I was thinking, so, so in this, and maybe this ties in what you were saying earlier. So one of the lessons in this is the, the passion for the thing that you're doing mm-hmm. and pick that so the, he loved flying so you have to find a thing that's you and forget about what everybody else is saying whether they ostracize or whether they you know say stop doing that or you need to 
do it like this. This is how you fly. And oh my gosh, usually it's the voices in our head more than the people around yeah. us no, that he, are the he worst. Had those, yeah. He had yeah. the voice in his head, but the voices in his head were fueled by the people that were around him. He didn't formulate the thoughts of themselves. That's it true, the, but the thing is, the, you can you can separate yourself physically from the people, you know, like, so that's often hmm. like a step. It's like, I don't want to be around you because you're kind of bringing me down and, and doubting me. But when those voices are in your head, yeah. you have a whole nother level of conquering There's to a whole do. other bit, you get how to deal with those yeah. sort of voices, which he had, he had that. Yeah. Aspect. It wasn't until he was distracted from the voices in his head um, that got him sort of back onto sort of track there. So there, you know, so there was that. But it got me to thinking, um, and I think we mentioned what we were talking about, and I mentioned the, the practice, and you can do it through archery, you can mm-hmm, do it mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. tea ceremony. So I was thinking, well, what's what's my what's my practice like the thing that becomes the metaphor for all things right um that you do and it's how you because it is it uh mia me me multi masushi you know how you do one thing is how you do ten thousand things that sort of thing right um yeah and it's that so what's the one thing that actually you can practice all of your things through because it's your relationship to whatever that is whether it's archery yeah. building, yoga, karate, what's that thing? Um, yep. But it got me thinking about sort of self-mastery. And, and then the question in my head was, what is self-mastery? What does that mean? So what does that mean to you when I say self-mastery? Well, we can have this place on podcast. Man. Yeah. No, sorry. I don't know. You threw, you threw me. I don't, I don't have a, a direct response to that. And I also think that in a way that's a very like masculine approach to it. I've well, been thinking about this recently masculine, too. Masculine, But that concept, I was just looking at Danielle Laporte stuff and, mm-hmm. and it, again, it, I don't know if it's mastery. And it was, in fact, it was too two ladies that I was looking at I'm not today. saying that women yeah. can't do it I'm mm. saying that that, that that the approach is sort of and, and I feel like it, you know we as human beings can embrace like sort of more masculine approaches to things or more feminine approaches to things but what does that but actually I think, mean what does that mean it's masculine approach versus the feminine well, approach that, I suppose that's a whole different conversation I've been thinking about um, which we probably need to do another podcast on but I think that idea that like you know, that, that single-minded pursuit, uh, it, you know, when you're separating out all other things is, is much more of a male approach to something. I don't think, if I guess in my mind, that's not what self-mastery is. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I, and, and, my, and almost, which is why I'm, I guess I'm questioning the whole male-female thing, because I don't like... Um, so part of the self-mastery bit almost seems a bit feminine to me, which is okay. part of my resistance. Interesting. In what um, sense? Well, in the sense that you've got to be compassion, love, meditating, all these very... But, I, those I don't know are, but not of for me. Low mastery is a very... Um, like, it, it is associated to me with mm. like ideas of perfection and right. Yes, yeah, which and, is what these guys you know, talk about in the seagull thing. Is I forgot right. to mention that he's talked about um, and the reason the flying, because he mentions in here he was saying like, you know, you kind of get taught about not 
that there is no perfection. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, to transcend, then it's about the journey to perfection. So the flying, mm-hmm. and that gives the, the focus to learn the things that you need to learn is by mm-hmm. trying to perfect flying. Not to say that you would necessarily meet there, but it, it, it's the thing that keeps you moving, this attainment of perfection. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, because, again, this is something that yeah, well, I'm really thinking through. Thing. Well, for instance, in yoga, what I'm trying to get people to do is not an outward mastery of poses, but an inward... Um, connection to sensation and the energetic feeling of their bodies so that they can make the right choices for them in the present moment in the now. So that doesn't feel like I would describe that as mastery because mastery to me is a very like, and there's a place for it. And I think Mm -hmm. that like in many ways I strive for that, you know, as a woman, I strive for mastery. But I think there's also a place for a kind of different approach to coming to something that's softer and more of, that would, for me, associate more with words like connection and surrender and, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, so maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, no, I think these I, things can very much be seen also as, you know, you have those like... It's the word, though. I think it's because the thing that you're describing is the thing that everybody does. So as you were describing what you were describing to me there, it yeah. made me think of um, the inner game of tennis, which was about if you want to master tennis, don't focus on trying to hit the ball. Actually, just be aware of what the ball is doing. Be aware of which way it's spinning, which way it's turning, and your body's going to make the natural shift that it needs to do to hit the ball. It's the people that are focused on trying to smash the but ball. But I think, but I think that in that instance, you're still trying to master the game and be outwardly a good tennis player. No, I don't. I, that's the thing. This is, I guess, is what I'm mishearing. I think. Uh, that what, so like what Tim Galway's thing is, actually when you're focusing on mastery, that's the very thing that trips you up. Because Maybe. you're focusing on yeah, trying right. to, you're trying yeah, to, yeah. but if I, you let go of that, yeah, yeah, through yeah. the process of letting go of that and being mm-hmm. self-aware and noticing things, then the mastery takes care of itself. Maybe, yes, exactly. Trying yeah, yeah. to force But I, I think there's a place for both things, like, you know, mm. they, you know, there's all these images of you need two feet to walk, two wings mm. to fly. Like, I think, you know, you have them in, you know, a lot of traditions, you have the mind training and the compassion and, you know, these two sort of the yin and the yang, you know, there's two forces that actually working together bring you to a place. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you, you can't really get anywhere without effort. But then there's also that moment of effort with no effort, kind of surrendering to the mm. flow of the thing moving through you. Yeah. But then the question would be, so there's two things that were going on into my head there. One, self-mastery. I guess if you broke it down, it's how do you control the monkey brain and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. mastering your, your But there's a lot behaviors. of different approaches to that too, isn't there? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, what no, you no, were no. Saying. yeah cause, but then the second thing... Um, 
I don't remember now. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> right. um, so yeah, so now, you know, I think the definition self mastery, which in fact you don't actually hear that term that much anymore. Not anymore, no. Um, it's yeah. not a popular term um, anymore to sort of self mastery, and but it's the underlying concept because this is the thing for me. I was thinking, okay, well, what, what's the? So if I take it to a whole other level, what's the point of doing anything that we do? Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, and that's the thing. Is I mean, you why asked you, me, but like, doing, what is yeah. so? So, if you're thinking through this and thinking about what what you've sort of taken away from yeah. the book, what does that mean? Self mastery mean? Like, what's it? How's that sort of with you at the moment? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, the, the self mastery as a word itself doesn't really, you know, it, it's just a word. Yeah. But it's the it's more about if you want to use practice, whatever word you want to do, you're doing something, and it's almost a question of why you're doing that something, but then also the next step back, what is the something? So you, there's a thousand ways that you can get to where you want to go yeah. to. So which is, what, is the, what of the thousand are you going to use to yeah. make this journey with? Um, and, and actually, in the actual, from a Zen point of view, what you pick doesn't actually matter. Yeah. But pick something because that acts as your road to Because you can't get deep place. with anything if yeah. you don't stick with it, yeah. So it's like, you know, whether you call it self-mastery or enlightenment or whatever phrase, is, yeah. there's an implication that there's a journey of some sort. That yeah. I'm in this space, and at some particular time and place, I'm going to be in another place. Yeah. And I'm going to use various different means to get to that place. Yes. So I guess then my question of what's the point of getting to the place? Why do we need to get somewhere? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Was it that just to distract our minds until we die? Oh, we got to do something, I guess, as some would say. <laughs> you know, you're here and you're born and all right, I'm in this life. I think... And I've got to do something between now me, and when I die. You don't go on a journey unless something is driving you. And that something can be um, at the level of a dissatisfaction that you see with the but present state of affairs, or it can be. Born. You're on a journey to death. That's true. Yeah. But when you think about a conscious journey, you think about something that you, you're talking about with self mastery, you're thinking about or the goal, Jonathan, or or a goal, whatever you want or you're thinking about it, yeah. Jonathan Livingston Siegel, then you're talking about something that either. Or maybe, you know, both at the same time, but one might drive you more than another. Either you're really dissatisfied with where you are, which I guess in a way is, is my story. The boatman is like my main character, Isla. She doesn't really know what it is that she's missing or that she wants. She just knows that she feels like she doesn't fit here and that this island where she's born and mm. the opportunities that are there for her and the life that are, is sort of, pa you know, paved out for her is not enough for her. See, so but, but whereas, whereas, I think other people have a thing of, they know what they want. It's just not available here. Like the seagull thing, he just wants to fly. So it's not as much a dissatisfaction as it is a yearning to go do that thing. So I suppose it could be either. Yeah, and I, and I guess that's exactly what I was going to get to. I mean, for him, he just wanted to fly. But yeah. there's other people telling him that, you know, flying for this. It was other people trying to shape that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think all people have a thing that you like doing. So one of the things I was looking at today, um, I forget the lady's name, but her whole thing is just, it doesn't matter what it is, just find a thing you like doing. If it's just sewing, then that's yeah. your thing. It is, you know, don't, yeah. 
don't give it a measure and people say, oh, yeah, well, sewing, what the hell is the point of sewing? You know, yeah. if that's whatever you're, whatever you like doing, then that's There is a complete journey. randomness to that yeah, as well. Yeah. Grab your thing. Yeah. Um, don't overthink it. Don't make it into I, something else. Don't yeah. de- belittle it. It's your thing. And then, but the mastery, well, not the mastery, but the, the trick becomes how do you deal with the stuff in your head that's saying, well, yeah, I like, you know, crocheting. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But everyone will tell me that crochet is a waste, is of, a waste time. of time. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Or it's just a hobby and, and I can't do anything more with it. And then maybe you're, yeah. maybe you're sort of missing, maybe you're missing your opportunity by paying attention to what other people are saying about the thing that you love. And that's exactly what I was sort of saying at the beginning. Some, it's so easy at the beginning of a project to listen to people telling you either that what you want to do has already been done a thousand times before. Which it has or, been. Which it has been. <laughs> or, um, you know. Nothing new under y- the sun. You need Joe. to, you need to oh, no, do it this way. You need to. Is it? Ecclesiastics, yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. Nice. It's in that book in the Bible. Yeah, nice. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's variations of things, but nothing new. Yeah, yeah. So. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I mean, that's that's it. Like, I think you... But here's the thing that's new about it. There's nothing new under the sun, but what's different is you, and you have a unique set of experiences that you're bringing to this. And this is one of the things that I've had to come to grips with, with, with coaching. And actually... It was another female, by the way, who was a hypnotherapist that I came across. Her name's Grace. Grace, Grace, Grace. Grace Space, it's called. I forget what her Grace. Well, anyway, Grace something. And I was looking at it, and I was thinking, you know, it's like a billion hypnotherapists, right? Everybody's a hypnotherapist. Everybody's a coach. Everybody's at everything. Um, but it was just in looking at, you know, she's, she's not saying anything revolutionary or new, but she has an enthusiasm and a passion for the discipline. And she's happy in being it. And so, it, and in actuality, the attraction is her enthusiasm for the thing that she wants to do. And of course, she, you know, every individual brings their own set of unique experiences to a thing that they're doing. So that's the thing that's going to differentiate you yeah, from Yeah, I love that. That's the same thing. I was listening to a podcast recently um, where they were like, yeah, it's been done before, but mm. someone needs to hear it from you in the mm. way that you say it. And I think that must be true for coaching. It's certainly true for yoga teachers. Sometimes people come into my class and I can just tell right away they are not a good fit for me. And that's totally cool because... Because mm. it's somebody else with a different story. Yeah, it, well, and, and mm. the way that I teach, the way that I talk during class, the way that I focus on breathing in my particular way is going to appeal to some people and mm. it's not going to appeal to other people. I'm sure that's the same with coaching. You've got a vibe that, you know, some it's people are going to... It's the trick to all of it, I think. Yeah. When I was a broker, a financial consultant, my sales manager was always like, you know what? Um, the people are buying you because if, you know, yeah, yeah we got some good products, but if it's a really good product, guess what? It's not going to be long else has before got it too. Yeah. Dean Witter's going to have it and Schwab is going to mm-hmm. have it. So the only real differentiator mm-hmm. comes down to you and the relationship that you build with other people. So don't get yeah. hung up on the, the product. And I was thinking about, you know, from a coaching point of view, um, or the you know what it was exactly that is um, and there's like this the great work and we're all coming to this work this journey this thing that we're gonna go yeah. to um, and we're helping other people along on that journey who might who may be a little bit further back 
on, on the thing that on the thing that we're good at. Yeah, and, exactly. And the reason that you exist is to connect with the people that are like you, who could hear the message because you present the message in a way that resonates with them. Yeah. Versus someone else, who we're all getting and we're all working with the same body of knowledge, but it's something about the way this person approaches it that attracts me that allows me to hear the message where this person might turn me off from yeah the message completely and so yeah. it's almost a, a case of forgetting everybody else that's a coach a writer a yoga teacher forget all the rest of them because yeah. there's enough because because that comes down to you know some people think you know if you don't have an abundance mindset then you think these people are your competition when in actuality there's billions of people in the world. So there's enough people to go around, go around to work yeah, with. Yeah. Um, so our only sole focus is to focus on our thing, path, take. And then if we talk about being a leader, it's looking behind you and see who's following you because they like your particular take on it, your vision of it, and the way that you put the stuff out there. And they like it. And so those would be the people who follow along with you on your journey. Yeah. And so I think part of that story I for me that I've taken away from all of this in, in relationship to what you know we're saying here is yeah, just don't don't get cuz it's easy to get caught up in the politics of whatever industry you're in. Yeah. You know, so you think, "Oh man, if I'm a social media um guru dude and you think oh the state of social media so, so there's a bunch of people who are in social media who just spend all their time talking about how this facebook sucks and it's gone so they're so focused on the yeah. problems yeah, and yeah. they're doing that sort of little pity party thing for whatever um yeah. but then there's that one person who doesn't listen to any of that noise because they really love the thing that they're doing and they just do it they don't participate in the great debates about you know, you should coach like that or coach like this or, you know, crochet like this dead. or crochet yeah, you know, like that. <laughs> writing's dead. Nobody reads books anymore. They don't buy books anymore. Um, that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, you, you can, you, you find that pockets of people are there and it's easy to kind of get sucked into that or question why you're doing kind of what you're sort of doing. Yeah. Um, but then there's a person kind of like your uh, Ray, Ray? Yeah. Ray? who hasn't heard any of that noise. So she hasn't had anybody around telling them, well, you can't use the force unless you, you know, get accepted by a master and go into this kind of thing and do this training. She hasn't had that. And so she's just doing her thing. And I think you would find in these pockets of industries that we're doing, someone who, hasn't participate, who doesn't participate in the noise, hasn't been in the noise, and they're just kind of doing their thing. Yeah. Which I'll finish... One of my last little stories, because it just reminded me, and I probably said this on the podcast before, but it was about a blues player. I can't remember his name anyway, but it was a young guy. Um, and, and it also reminds me of this sort of flying thing. And all the older blues people were like, oh, yeah, he hasn't paid his dues. How come he's getting all these record contracts? Blah, blah, blah. So they were all not happy with this kid. And he's like, you can take it all away. And if I lost it, I would go right back to the street corner and continue playing, because all I want to do, like Jonathan here, is... He said, all I want to do is play the guitar. And yeah. all this other stuff doesn't mean anything to me. So it was all the people around him who were having a conversation, debate, and, and, you know, he hasn't paid his dues, and why are he getting all these things? And I've been in the blues for all these years. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was just happy to be playing. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that, you know, that was it. That was 
the whole of this thing and everything else was incidental. And, and that's the kind of, um, I guess the space that I would like to get to is, is, you know, doing the thing because I would like, you know, it's the thing that I enjoy doing regardless of whether you're getting paid for it, getting kudos for it or whatever, but it's your thing. Yeah. Um, and to do it and that other things will come with that as you're on that journey, but they're not the focus of what yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But they become incidentals. Yeah. Which gets you bringing this back full circle, thinking about your idea. You know, we started out talking about the idea that you're working on, um, is that, you know, you focus on, you focus on your thing as a, and and how it best how you best come to that thing whatever it is well i think that's the sort of simon sinek thing isn't it defining your why and and I mean, moving well, out from that finding your why yeah and your how in yeah. the sense of mm-hmm. i like doing it one to one or i want to do community yeah, finding exactly. that thing um, yeah. and f- so you in essence i guess my closing thing is to do it in the way that's most authentic to you. In the way that's most authentic to you. Yes. Yeah, because totally. Because then you'll keep doing it. If that's you're trying right. to do it like someone else or you're paying it to you know, they It's like that, me and Twitter. I mean, one day I'm just going to become addicted to Twitter probably. But I just it's just not my platform. Do you know what I mean? And I think everybody mm. has those things where it's like, you know, people are saying, you know, you should be running, you know, jogging's the mm. thing or, you know, going to yoga's the thing. And sometimes it just doesn't suit you, you know? Yeah, no, and you yeah. just got to do the thing that you know, that but feels good because like you're saying, then you keep doing it and yeah. you want to be doing it and then mm. you put your energy to it and then you're, the thing that's your spark kind of comes out as yeah, opposed absolutely. to feeling like forced because we can all tell when we're sort of forcing it, but you and, know. And, and I mean, you mentioned the social media thing and I think because um, that's a, another segment of things that I'm doing as well is that it's not so, because there was a time where, you know, Twitter was just, people having conversations but it's taking yeah. a different character so there's two things for that on me one is you know where's the place that you like hanging out at yeah because that's where your people hang out at or nor you just like hanging out there but if you're in business it's it then becomes a different question where is the people or that the center mass of the market that you're after where do they hang out so i think i sent you the stuff on the demographics so i mean if you're after you know yeah, yeah, yeah. 20s, then you best be on Snapchat if you're after yeah. people in their 20s. If you're after Generation X, um, then you best be on Facebook, whether you hate Facebook or not. Yeah, yeah, Your yeah. population of people are, are on there, the cinema mass of them anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Same with, like, you know, Twitter has a different angle. People are there for different reasons, and yeah, if the yeah. people that you're after are there, then that's where you would be at. But anyway, that's yeah. a whole other story. Um, because we're going to actually, we're going to talk about that and the after story, because I'll share with you... Yes, cool, after story, I'm, yeah. ...what I'm doing on the sort of social media front. Um, and what do people have to do to listen to the after story? Well, they, they won't. They'll see it in different, various different okay. ways. Unless you want to make an after one, we could do an after story one. We could do an after well, story we'll one. We'll, we'll, uh, and we'll and make we'll, people work for it. And well, I'm going to say, yeah, if we could do an after one, and if they wanted to hear it, then, you know, they can have to sign up for the newsletter or something like that to get yeah. access to that after story. So if you want to hear the after story, let us know, and we can make the after story available. All right. All right. I think um, that's good. Week. Now yeah. time for the after, 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 after show. After story. <laughs>